0: Coming up on episode 63 of the Keto Camp podcast, we have female entrepreneur superstar Shay Robottom.
1: At the end of the day, you could still, you know, blame the system and the and the sugar and everything in it, but it's also the market. These things sell because people are depressed and sugar especially is like a, it's like a soother. Mm -hmm. It's like people are consuming sugar because they want to feel love.
0: I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp Podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey Keto Camper, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast with The GOAT of LinkedIn is what I call her. Shea Robottom. What do I mean by that? Well, she is the greatest of all time. She's the biggest influencer on LinkedIn. Now, how is this relevant to the Keto Camp podcast? Well, we're going to get into her story, her struggles with her health. She did the vegan diet. She experimented with elimination diets. And we talk a lot about what exactly is going on when somebody does a strict vegan diet. What are the dangers of a strict vegan diet? We talk about the carnivore diet. We talk about her health history. And this is an amazing story of Shay because Shay is not only a good friend of mine. She's my LinkedIn coach. She's amazing. And she shares authentically like she always does. And by the way, if you're not on LinkedIn, you're going to learn why you should be on LinkedIn and how it's relevant to whatever area of expertise you are in. Some of the things we talk about is practicing love and gratitude and this concept of narcissism. We get into this deep conversation. We had it together at KetoCamp HQ, so the sound quality is optimal. You're gonna fall in love with this conversation. Be sure to check Shay out. Check out the notes of this podcast when you're done. And before I bring Shay on, I wanna let you know that I appreciate you all so very much for listening to the KetoCamp podcast every single week. The podcast is growing at a rapid rate So thank you so much. If you are new to the Keto Camp Podcast, we release three brand new episodes every single week. So make sure you hit subscribe and you'll get notified when we release a brand new episode. Take a screenshot of this episode of Me and Shay. Post it on your Instagram story and or profile. Tag me in it. My Instagram handle is at TheBenazadi. That's T-H-E-B-E-N-A-Z-A-D-I. I'll be sure to see that and share it on my story, and we'll get some other keto campers following you back. You can hit the hashtag keto camp because we'll see that for sure. This episode was sponsored by the world's healthiest oil, which is the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. I love the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club because not only is it the best keto oil, which is olive oil, it's the highest quality of the olive oils. What they do is they seasonally handpick these olives all across the world, And they put it on a jet after they fresh press it, and they deliver it to your door. I get three bottles of the fresh pressed olive oil club delivered to me every single month. I got an exclusive coupon code for KetoCampers. If you head over to KetoCampOliveOil.com, you'll see a $39 bottle for one buck of the fresh pressed olive oil club. That's KetoCampOliveOil.com. All right, let's get into this episode now with Shea Robottom. Shay Robottom is the co-founder and former COO of a Facebook agency that worked with companies like Petco, Yahoo, Verlo, and dozens more in creating content and devising content strategies for social media. Since joining the LinkedIn platform in May of 2018, Shay has grown to over 130,000 followers, garnering over 20 million views on her content and generated seven figures in sales for partnering media companies. Shay Robottom, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Ben.
0: I'm grateful because we're good friends and I really admire what you've accomplished in this world, which we'll get to. But first, I want you to share with my community your health journey, you know, from when you were younger, the things you struggled Mm. with to what you did to get to the point where you are today.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well... I grew up with a mother who was actually pretty conscious about the sugar thing, so I was really grateful for that. You know, she did not keep sugar in the house. She was really against, you know, like the soda and the sugary cereals and that sort of thing, and she also never bought anything low-fat, which when I was growing up in the 90s, that was like the big craze. All the housewives had the low-fat, and my mom never did that. She was like butter, like we cook with butter and, and all of that, but... I ended up deciding on my own at age 11 to become a vegetarian. And I was really into animals. You know, I was like doing it for the animals. I was just, uh, (laughs) I don't know why, but I was really called to be a vegetarian so young. So I ended up doing that four years. I didn't eat meat from age 11 to age 15, but I also um, really didn't like vegetables. So I definitely became what uh, Dr. Berg refers to as a grainitarian. Yes. I, I love that term. Yeah, as a gr- like grainitarian. I was still eating dairy at this point, so it was like pizza vegetarian. I would, I would eat bagels with cream cheese. So it was like pure gluten and Philadelphia cream cheese. That was like my meal. And finally, when I was about 15, I... It started to catch up with me. I was, you know, sick. I was sluggish. And one day I came home and my sister was making tacos. So she had the ground beef and everything and it was steaming and it just like hit my nostrils (laughs) and I was like, okay, I'm not a vegetarian anymore. And I I started eating meat again, but still really didn't like vegetables and still really knew nothing about diet. I will say that being a vegetarian for those four years in my adolescence probably attributed a lot to my leaky gut. However, I could have gotten it anyways because even at the time that I started eating meat again, which did help, I still knew nothing about what to avoid. I didn't know back then about GMOs or anything like organic. I was just totally in the dark. But I just kept getting sicker. Like I kept getting sicker. Like I first got asthma at age 17, which is kind of rare. I didn't have it as a child. Like it showed up at 17 and I'm like, okay, I got to deal with this. Sometimes I get asthma now. But it just got worse. Like it just, it over time became my life. I was living off of inhalers. I was going to pulmonary clinic after pulmonary clinic. Western doctors telling me, this is just the way it is. You're always going to need inhalers. I was put on steroids very regularly because I had a compromised immune system. So every time I'd get sick, which is very frequently, the asthma would actually turn into bronchitis. So I was struggling. I mean, anyone who knew me at the time in my life, like age 17 to 24, I had like a permanent cough and it was really debilitating, embarrassing. I just, I, I didn't know what was up and I, I couldn't figure it out. And on top of that, you know, I had acne, I had eczema, I had digestive problems and I knew something was wrong. I knew like, okay, for how young I am, I'm supposed to be in my prime. Like what's going on here? I feel like I'm falling apart and my energy was also not great. So when I was, let me think. 23 or 24 so several years now of you know kind of compounding these health issues and not knowing how to fix it I ended up finding an Ayurvedic doctor an Indian woman who she was incredible she actually was an MD quit because she refused to prescribe opiates at the volume that they were allowing back then so she quit started her own practice with another woman from India who uh, was raised with an Ayurvedic doctor as a grandpa. And these two women together, they had these, this practice. And I went in, you know, I'd heard good things. I told her what was up. I said, this is my history. This is where I'm at with my, the asthma was like the number one. I was like, if I could just breathe, like it was just killing me, this asthma. And she, she said to me within six months, I will cure your asthma. And I said, okay, (laughs) like, okay, I believe you. And the first thing she did, which actually isn't what Cured the asthma first, but I'll get to that. The first thing she did is she put me on an elimination diet. So no corn, gluten, soy, dairy, sugar, or eggs for like 100 days. And so that was the start of me like giving up gluten and dairy and all these things that well, are not only inflammatory, but I didn't know are like, I'm allergic to them, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was eating them. So that was the start. I went on this really intense diet. And then on top of that, she prescribed me breathing exercises which was really new to me. I didn't, I'd never had a doctor prescribe breathing exercises for asthma. I didn't really know much about meditation then. And so I started doing this exercise she gave me every morning, and I was very strict about it. I was very committed to curing this asthma. So every day I'd wake up and I'd do the breathing, and within two weeks after I started doing it, my asthma was gone. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She said it would take six months. It took two weeks And that was June 6th of 2017, so it's been over two years now, and I've not picked up an inhaler since.
0: So you just weren't breathing right.
1: I wasn't breathing right, but I will say that the diet also helped because the longer I was on this diet... And I didn't know anything about keto or low carb. I guess technically she did put kind of put me on a low carb diet. I was I was still allowed to eat some grains and stuff, but it, was, it basically just forced me to eat meat and vegetables and cooked vegetables. That's the other thing. She said, you can't have anything raw because your digestion's just, it's not gonna work. So throughout the course of the 100 days, even though I had kind of like n- nicked my asthma right away, it was like the breathing got easier and easier as my inflammation went down. And that's when the magic really happened. That's when I started having like, all my digestion problems went away. I had good energy. My eczema was gone. My acne, oh my God, that was a big one for me. Like when my skin cleared up, I was like, thank God. I actually struggled with like, I'd get BO very regularly back then. And after the diet, it was was just, it just fixed everything. And it was a wake up call for me. Like, you know what, there's something to this this diet. And even though she didn't define it as a paleo diet, I kind of filled in the dots and like, I pivoted toward that. So I've, I found out about the paleo diet and after my 100 days was up, that's pretty much what I did. I just remained on a paleo diet. I wasn't keto, like I'd eat fruit and stuff, but it was just night and day, the improvement. And then now, today, you know, I pretty much know what my body likes. I mean, I'm still human and I do enjoy <laughs> treats and carbs and stuff, but it's definitely apparent to me that my body runs best without carbs. And it's crazy because that's, like I said... Rewind back to when I was 11, 12, 13, my whole life was like dairy and carbs. And now it's like, if, if anyone out there is listening and you have asthma or inflammation, like dairy and bread, mm-hmm. worst thing for it. So I, I learned it the hard way, but I'm so fortunate that I figured it out at a young age because I'm 27 now. And I feel like I have some information about how to maintain my health and my diet that a lot of people almost find out too late, almost.
0: Yeah, totally. Did you have any reservations when she said you're going to eliminate one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different foods? I was so
1: scared. I was so scared, yeah. But but Luke, my ex-partner, he did it with me. And I actually feel like, that is huge. Having a partner to do a diet with you makes it so much easier. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. It,
0: I, I see more results in, in clients when I teach them as a couple than as I see? Uh, individuals. Yeah, because oh, they're, they're so supporting cool. each other. They're not letting each other get away with things. Yes, so.
1: exactly. So that's
0: really interesting. So I want to go back to when you were uh, a granitarian, <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, laughs> a vegetarian, you were having bagels with cream cheese, and mm. you could tell that she's not from Miami with the accent when you said bagels. Say it again.
1: <laughs> bagels. Bagels. <laughs> Milwaukee, right? <laughs> Milwaukee, yes.
0: And You were technically a vegetarian, which people think vegetarians, it's synonymous with being healthy, Mm. vegan is synonymous with being healthy, but there's a a bad way to do it, and you did it the bad way. And a lesson to be learned from that is when you were smelling meat being cooked, Mm -hmm. you were craving that, and that's a signal to your body that your body is essentially starving for that, and and you wanted that, and you did it, and you felt better as a result of it. Is that correct? Yeah. exactly. And you could do vegetarianism and be healthy, but- not put mm. bagels and grains right. and all that. And the top foods that cause inflammation are the ones that this Ayurvedic doctor took you off. Yes. And within two weeks, you oh were able gosh. to get mm-hmm. rid of that. And then not only the asthma, but all the other symptoms you were dealing with
1: mm-hmm. went
0: away as a result of being healthy.
1: Yes. Yeah. And
0: I love that because you focused on health and then everything else on the symptom side went away.
1: Yes, exactly. That's
0: amazing. Yeah. So that you got healthy, you did paleo. Now you're saying when you eat, fats, you feel better. So tell us more yes. about that.
1: Well, I started like learning about the organ meats because I just, I had no idea. The organ meats for me was a total wake up call. Cause I realized that we're eating muscle meat and that's actually not what our ancestors did. They mm-hmm. went for the heart. They went for the liver. They went for, that's where the nutrients are. So I started eating like liver soup and food that I really didn't like, but yeah, I just find that like beef is really good. And that's another thing that people will, you know, kind of want to fight me on like you so much red meat. I'm like, no, I eat a lot of red meat. I eat a hundred percent grass fed pasture raised red meat, but that's what my body wants. I mean, I, I obviously, you know, I'll do chicken and other things here and there, but I'm a beef girl and I do try to squeeze in the organ meats as much as I can as well. And actually that reminds me of a saying, because you said something about vegetarians being unhealthy. I heard somewhere once, I can't remember, it was probably one of the guys you follow, but they said a meat eater, you know, who's not a vegetarian, but doesn't eat organ meats will actually be less healthy than a vegetarian who just eats organ meats
0: oh interesting Is
1: that something like that yeah. yeah i think so yeah
0: it, you're right though organ meats a lot of people throw it away the butchers throw it away and it's that's cheap it's, you can buy it exactly. for so cheap yeah. and it's the
1: best thing for you
0: and it, a lot of people don't like the sound of it but mm. you can make it the right way you can cook it the right way but that's where all the minerals are at it's not really in the muscle meat it's with the organ meat like you said our ancestors when they got a kill oh they went gosh. straight for the organ meat first and then when the muscle meat was left over that's they're leftover, right?
1: Isn't that crazy? It is, yeah, we we got so away from that.
0: Yeah, we did. We, did, we got away from so So why do so you many. but why
1: do you think we got away from the organ meats? Uh
0: I don't know. I don't know if it was marketable to be able to sell that at a high uh, rates for these companies? Mm-hmm. I don't know. There has to be something with the operation and how it didn't make sense yeah. uh, profit-wise. But now a lot of good companies are out there like Paleo Valley mm-hmm. and um, U.S. Wellness Meats, and now they're starting to sell this because they have demand for it like from people like you and I who know that it's yes. the good stuff. Yes. So I take a, an organ complex from this company called Paleo Valley because nice. I don't like to really cook and make all the right, organ meats. So right. it's, it's pretty much all that in a, in a It's capsule. messy. It's messy.
1: It's messy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I
0: personally like liver. People. Some people don't like it. I do. It can
1: be okay. I like heart. You like heart? The hearts. beef heart. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I tried heart, and it was like a steak. You yeah. know, I didn't really notice too much of a difference. So, so
0: my girlfriend, Natasia, when we went to Brazil, she's from Brazil, you know that. Yes. They have the steakhouses, the, um, oh, the yeah. churrascaria. Oh, yeah. And they come around with all this, this meat, right? And they came around with a skewer full of chicken hearts. Mm. And she went... <laughs> crazy for those chicken hearts. She loves them. She ate the whole freaking really? thing. Really? She's like, go, come bring some more. That's awesome. So she loves, I love chicken hearts as well.
1: Good, good. Yeah,
0: some vegans and vegetarians really hate us right now, but.
1: No. Well, and the vegan thing really, to me, is a problem. Not that going vegan for a short period of time, which I know you talk about, can be really good for you. But the way I see veganism being actually so damaging is the commitment. A lot of people will go vegan and like one month in, they're like, oh, I feel so good. I'm committed for life. And like, I'm getting, literally, I know a girl, she has vegan tattooed on her. Yeah, and She's not even vegan anymore. So like, it, it's this lifestyle where you get really committed. You start hanging out with a ton of other vegans and it makes it hard to get out. Mm. So when things happen, like the day I mentioned my sister was making tacos and my body, I listen to my body. I feel a lot of veganisms ignore that. And they actually become more out of tune with their body because they're on this, it's, it's not just about the food. It's about the the mission, you know, like save all the animals, save the planet. So when you're so committed, you'll oftentimes just ignore your own body and what it's needing. And I've expe- I have experience with that too. I actually did go vegan as an adult for a short period of time. I lasted like six months. Yeah. I couldn't do it. But it was the same thing. I was like committed. I was like, I feel great. And then, you know, month three, month four, I was like, I don't feel so good. Yeah. I started losing all my weight. I was like, I had no energy. And like, finally, it just hit me like, this is why... People never quit being vegan because it's so hard once you commit to kind of get out of that lifestyle. You feel shameful yeah. or something. So for me, I just had to get real. And actually, the Ayurvedic doctor, she helped a lot. I had already returned to eating meat by the time I saw her, but I know that in India, where she's from, a lot of people are vegetarian mm-hmm. and even vegan. And I kind of asked her, you know, I kind of felt guilty. Like, well, what am I What am I supposed to do? Like, where you're from, everyone? Like, how do I... And it was really interesting. You know what she said to me? She said, Shay, in my experience white people need meat. <laughs> She's like, white people need meat. I was like, really? I, I mean, it is geographical, I suppose, but I never thought about it like that. And then that kind of helped with like the guilt. Like, okay, I can eat this. Yeah, you're white. I am white. <laughs> I am a white girl from the Midwest. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> the thing about the veganism and vegetarianism and any any kind of, um, even paleo and keto, and now there's carnivore, anytime you define yourself with a diet you automatically lost because you're putting yourself in a box same thing with the medical system they put themselves in a box and Mm. they don't think outside the box and i found myself there as well i was a vegan for a year and a half and i the first first, yeah i know (laughs) in the first few months it was great and then all of a sudden i didn't feel as good but i wanted to save the planet save Mm. all the animals and then i realized that if you eat the right animal products that are quality that were raised the right way you're not contributing to all the emissions out there. You're actually, if you are a vegan eating all these grains, these GMO grains, Mm. that's contributing more negatively to the environment than eating grass-fed cows and chickens that were raised. Much, much more. More animals die from all these crops that are being lost Mm. from GMOs than they are from grass-fed, grass-finished beef. So if you do it the right way, that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about caged animals yeah. and feedlots that were tortured. No, I
1: never thought about it like that, though, with the grains. Yeah. That's so true. And They're how it's creating these
0: monocrops. We're losing carbon dioxide. It's, oh, it's wow. crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So when you dig into the research, you realize that, you know, both sides on the extreme is not good.
1: I agree. I think any extreme is not good. You know, I, and I, I, I do think that people can get too caught up in the lifestyle and in the diet. And you just have to stay open to it. Most vegans and vegetarians will return to eating meat in their life. I mean, studies have proved that over and over again. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's the way that Dr. Pompa taught it to me was your genetics will determine how long it'll take before you get sick and that you feel like, I need to get some animal products Mm. into me. So somebody might be 10 years, somebody might be 20 years, somebody might be six months before that happens, but the genetics will determine because there's not one culture in the history of this world that stayed vegan long term. They mm. always change their diet according to their environment. So oh, the, really? So yeah. there's
1: none? No, I thought there one. was some... No, 0%. Uh, no. Really? So
0: long-term. Long-term, long term. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For periods of time, they were vegan. Yeah. But they were, it was never like, we're vegan, and then the tribe leader comes across this dead carcass, right? And they're fasting for 10 days, and he looks back and he says, we don't eat that, we're vegan. Yeah, yeah. That exactly. didn't, that, it didn't happen. They, <laughs> that
1: definitely they, did not yeah, happen. They yeah, they ate
0: yeah. according <laughs> to their environment. That so. makes
1: sense. That makes sense. Because I remember reading something once about it. there was a study done on a tribe or I forget where in the world, maybe you'll help me because it was sweet potatoes. It was like all they ate. It was like sweet potatoes, but they said they were really healthy. Do you know where that is? Is that...
0: uh, Uh, A tribe that did it? It was probably the, um, I don't know. It was probably one of those blue zones if I had to think about it. I don't know.
1: It's interesting.
0: But I I like sweet potatoes. They're not keto, but I'm like keto...
1: They're not keto, but they are a healthy carb. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They are a healthy carb. They're on my list. So absolutely. Yeah. I think they're fine as long as you don't have insulin resistance or diabetes or anything like that. Mm. Like you and I don't have that, thankfully. So yeah. we could have sweet potatoes. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So
0: Shay is a entrepreneur. You are a powerhouse in on LinkedIn. And if, if anybody's on LinkedIn watching on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, or listening on the podcast, you got to look up Shay Robottom, And she is, I think, the biggest creator on LinkedIn, the most talented on LinkedIn. Thank you. She's crushing it on LinkedIn. And she shares just phenomenal content. So go connect with her first and foremost. And let's put that in perspective as being an entrepreneur, being somebody who needs to be creative, you're in front of a camera all the time, mm. you're working with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. How important is it for you to be functioning at a high level with your health? How important oh, yeah. is that on your on your scale of highest values?
1: It's important. I will say that I've probably neglected my health a little too much, especially like at the last agency, just living like the CEO life, working day to day and all of that. But I'm getting back into it. I really do notice that I operate so much better when I take care of myself. I quit drinking like a few years ago, that was like a big one for me. I I mean, I will, I will drink, I will have drinks, but I was a big drinker. You know, I'm from Wisconsin. I, you know, went to college, did the whole like binge drinking thing. So, uh, let me think that was like a year and a half ago. Now I decided to, uh, this was like another year had passed since I'd seen the Ayurvedic doctor. So I'd healed my asthma. I'd started to heal all these other things. And then it was like the drinking. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to just quit drinking for a while and see how it goes. Because all my family's alcoholics, like I I knew where this was going. I was like, I really need to check myself with the booze. Like I don't feel like I'm an alcoholic but I'm just young. It's like acceptable to drink, especially in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go on a cleanse. And I decided I'm gonna go one month, no drinking. And so I did one month, no alcohol. And then I loved it. Like I I just like, I never felt better. And it wasn't even like I was partying like crazy or stuff, but you know, you come home from work, you have a few glasses of wine, you wake up the next morning, you're just like a little more groggy. So I loved it. I ended up extending it for four months. I think I finally broke the cleanse when we, we had an acquisition at my last agency. And I had a glass of champagne. So that's a good reason. Yeah, I finally broke it. But it was such a good experience for me because I really feel like that time in my life, I changed my relationship to alcohol. Mm. Like, I really changed it to understand that, like, this is not something that. You need to go home and, and do every night, mm-hmm. which is what I grew up with. Like, my parents come home from work, they drink. That was just the culture I was around. And I see the pattern in a lot of members of my family, but now it's to the point where it's actually a problem. You know, it's, it, it escalates. So, mm-hmm not just eating healthy but the the sobriety has helped a ton yeah, yeah and with for my productivity for me
0: too I, I stopped drinking about yeah
1: you don't drink at all yeah
0: 3 years this january it's going to be 3 years wow. because because of what you said because the next day i'm very sensitive to alcohol i'd wake up and i'd have some brain fog mm. and my day would not be as productive as it could have been and i felt like i'm not in a position to to get away with that right now you know yeah. i want to create freedom before i Get to have some more slack with that, so right. I told myself I'm not gonna drink until I create that freedom in my life.
1: Well, yeah, and not to mention keto keeps me from drinking. Yeah, I'm not messing with that. Yeah, I have been keto and then had a glass of wine, and it is like no fun. So I, I feel as long as I'm doing the low carb, yeah, it's really easy to turn down a drink because it's just why. Why is that? Why do you need carbs for the booze? Just because it soaks it's, it up? I or? mean,
0: because it's gonna spike glucose and insulin. So I mean, the, yeah. uh, sh- alcohol will sugar is usually found in alcoholic drinks, especially wine and drinks are usually mixed as well with other sugary drinks but alcohol will raise glucose and insulin and it will knock you out of ketosis there is uh, a But com- you get
1: such a bad hangover.
0: You do. Whereas there- if
1: I'm in if I'm in sugar burning I won't get as much of a hangover.
0: I guess cuz you're more sense your body's more yeah. sensitive to the to the poison. It is a poison, poison yeah, to the body. Yeah. It it there is, is. is a wine though called dry farm wines a company called dry farm I've wines. I've heard of this. They're great. Those do- so I don't recommend wine for most people or al- or beer I think wine right. and beer are the top offenders to avoid Mm. But the exception of dry farm wines. They are biodynamic organic wines that you don't get the headaches in it. Really? They're keto and so friendly you're too. saying
1: you're saying wine and beer in the context of booze? It's actually uh, better it's, to have like a tequila drink yes. than get out of here. Yeah, so
0: okay. I have I have clients who tell me, look, I know you don't advocate drinking, but if I was at a social gathering and I had to choose between beer wine, or hard liquor, what would be the best option? And I say, well, eliminate beer and wine first and foremost. Why beer? Beer is estrogenic, so it'll raise your estrogen. For women, we don't want that because you don't want to have high estrogen. Mm. It'll create high risk of breast cancer when Mm. you have high estrogen. For men, it'll lower testosterone give you man boobs so not good for both men and women i
1: think i've seen the man boobs yeah <laughs> yeah i have <sound> myself
0: <laughs> and then wine most wine is uh loaded with pesticides and herbicides mm. the average california wine has 64 pesticides and herbicides in it
1: oh yeah man. that'll
0: just wreck your your gut what
1: about but because like i if i pick up a bottle of wine or something it'll be like from spain that's better okay that, that's okay. better okay, okay.
0: So that's a little bit better. They typically don't have as much pesticides. Got but a lot it. of people okay. are buying wine from California. Yeah. So dry farm wine. Oregon, Oregon. Oregon's yeah, a big one. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So
1: Interesting. Okay, I always say so dry,
0: dry farm wines is the exception and just stick with like a vodka or like a Moscow mule a little because it comes with Ooh, some, some yeah. bitters in it. It'll help mm-hmm. you digest it. So that's usually my go-to. So
1: what is the healthiest booze of hard liquor? Is it tequila? Because I've heard tequila has yeah. actually some good benefits. You know, uh,
0: I haven't researched it as much as guys like Thomas DeLauer. He has a lot of good information uh. on it but if i had to give you an answer i would say i would say tequila and i would say vodka like any of those mm. kind of hard alcohols just on the rocks nothing mixed with it that okay. would be my go-to.
1: All right. All and right. I
0: used to always drink whiskey. Jameson used to be mine.
1: There's some loopholes, guys. There's some loopholes. There loop are holes. some loopholes, <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so what is the craziest thing you see when it comes to people and trends they follow with their health? I'm sure you see things on LinkedIn and just mm-hmm. in general. Like, What are some, some things you see that you're, you're just shaking your head like, this, this can't be good for your health? And, and why are people mm. following these type of trends? What comes to mind when I say that?
1: You know, I think it's just the mass lack of understanding that our food system in the United States is not really food. Because we all contribute to it. Like we all go to these restaurants and pay and eat and and the vegetable oils. That's also something I didn't know about until I met you, Ben. But it's like, there's just no knowledge around it. And people are kind of Following the herd is the way I see it. It's like, well, everyone's eating at this restaurant. It's fine. Well, everyone's shopping at this grocery store. It's fine. Like, we're all standing, we're all surviving, but it's really just killing you slowly. I mean, it's like enough poison in the food system to kill you slowly enough that it's not so apparent, unless, of course, you get leaky gut and it starts, you know, like you start having reactions to different foods and whatnot. But I really think that. We are a depressed society. I think that we have a lot of issues with unresolved mass trauma, like at a a collective level. We just have not been dealing with our mommy and daddy issues for so long. And it's created a really strong culture of addiction. And that is the United States. I mean, we are just like addicts. Like We just provide a buffet of either it's social media or it's weed or it's... It's food. Uh, food is like the big one for me. I see people are addicted to food because people are so sad inside. They don't actually have a sense of self-love or self-dependence, that that self-core, because something happened in their childhood, which often does, and it never got resolved. They didn't know how to resolve it. We don't really, we don't really make it easy for people to heal. We make it easy for people to just distract themselves their whole life and think it's normal. Well, ev- I'm 30. Everyone's getting a beer belly now. Well, I'm 40. Everyone hates their wife now. Well, I'm, you know. It's just like it's everyone is so used to it and I think it's created a lot of food addiction and that's why people are so fat. I mean it's really yeah, and, and at the end of the day, you could still, you know, blame the system and the and the sugar and everything in it, but it's also the market. These things sell because people are depressed and sugar especially is like a it's like a soother. Mm-hmm. It's like people are consuming sugar because they want to feel love. I know that might sound a little woo-woo, but it's true. My sister is addicted to sugar. I mean, she ended up going to the same doctor I did after she saw my progress. The doctor put her on the same diet. She lost fifty pounds wow. in three months, and it wasn't even a keto. It was just like low carb and you know, cut out all the allergens. You know, the
0: inflammatory foods. Yeah. All yeah. The,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Yes, and I agree. When I was obese. I was addicted to sugar. I was addicted mm. to, to eating. I, I had things that I wasn't dealing with. So in order to cover that up, I just numb myself with food. Every Did two you days binge? Binge all the time. Oh yeah. I remember eating to the point where I was so full and I was just waiting for room to kind of clear from my stomach so I could eat more food. All I wanted to do was just eat. It was crazy. I ate all throughout the day. Wow. I eat right before bed, which you know I advocate yes, against yes. that, <laughs> as you mentioned this. I've
1: been better. I've been better. I've been really proud of myself. Good
0: of job. Being. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the vegetable oil thing. They don't know this. But yeah, this
1: is so intense.
0: We, we talk about it all the time, yeah. and, I, and I educated you on the vegetable oils, and now we're in Miami, and we go to this restaurant, Juice and Java, Yeah. and the only reason we shout out the Juice and Java, the only reason we go there, or not the only reason, but the main reason is they don't cook with vegetable oils. Right. So we are demanding to go to restaurants that don't cook with vegetable oils, yep. and like you said, the reason that is it's in the supply, all these toxic foods, because people are buying it, mm-hmm. but if we actually change where we put our our dollars, because we, we vote with our fork what mm-hmm. we're eating, then yeah. we can make a big difference. And right. I tell restaurants, hey, we're not going to eat vegetable oils. Can you cook with something else? Exactly. Like we do. Yeah. So it's just making that small little decision to do it and not going with the herd and creating your own life. Oh,
1: yeah. And it's way easier to make that decision. Well, one, when you're educated, but two, when you love yourself. Yes. When you love and respect yourself, you don't want to put harmful substances into your body. You know, I had someone say to me, It was a breath coach I was working with because I've worked with many different breath people now over the years. And they said, imagine that you only have a limited amount of breaths in your life. How much slower would you breathe? And I thought that was so interesting. It's like it's so true. We are a lot of times just neglect our health. And I think that the culture has uh, perpetuated that with the kind of like work, 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 go, go, go. Like we don't really quite yet value the stillness that is absolutely necessary for human growth and to, you know, be fulfilled. You know, if you tell someone, if someone asks, you know, how was your day? And you say, it was great. You know, I had a morning meeting, then I went for a jog. I ran around here and I I went to this event. I went to this conference. I never, I got a ton of work done. Like people would be like, yeah, like awesome hustle, you know? But if you say like, how was your day? And someone says like, Oh my God, I just spent eight hours meditating, I made a salad and like, you know, it's like people are kind of like, okay, it's it's not as valued. So I look forward to seeing, and I do think it's shifting. I think our generation is kind of in the wake up call with the advent of so many young people Mm -hmm. getting sick, especially this, oh, this generation after us, those poor things. I, I feel like we lucked out a little where it was still... Like, when I was growing up, a lot of the food was still organic, a little... Like, it just got so much worse. But now, it's like we're at the breaking point. I feel that we are at the point where the rubber band is getting so thin that it's just about to snap. And people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. So, I think in our lifetime, we'll start to see that change.
0: Yeah, I, I hope so. I do hope for that. So, what are some ways that you practice self-love for yourself?
1: Mm, mm, working on it. Um, <laughs> you know, I come from a very rough childhood. So I did not have any sense of boundaries at all. I I learned, I figured it out later in life. I wasn't sure why I was so dysfunctional, addicted and all of these things. But I ended up learning actually recently in my twenties that it's boundaries. I just never felt like I had a right to set any boundaries. And that's very common in, in victims of childhood abuse. You just, you, you kind of accept this is what it is. But now I'm a lot more in tune with my own intuition. I think that uh, a lot of us get away from our intuition as a kid and learn not to trust our gut. And that's where a lot of these issues will happen. I started trusting my gut and now it's always an act of self-love when I'm able to listen to my gut, actually follow it and set a boundary. Mm. And I'm very proud of my ability to Develop that mu- muscle because like, it is like a muscle that I had to train myself on. So definitely setting boundaries, and then I meditate every morning. I do a little like sun salutation. You, I still do the exercise the ayurvedic lady told me to do. Awesome. Yeah, so I do that, and you know I'm pretty forgiving of myself. I will say that I notice, especially in the business world, a lot of my colleagues, a lot of people I work with, are so hard on themselves. It's not good. You know, you ha- you have to be forgiving and easy with yourself. So I make a mistake. I try to just take it as a lesson and not beat myself up. And that's another act of self-love.
0: Yeah, I love it. So morning routine, meditation, breathing, Mm -hmm. and also trusting the intuition and setting boundaries Mm -hmm. as a result. Yeah. Beautiful.
1: Reading my LinkedIn comments. Yes. So tell tell, tell us about about
0: LinkedIn. Like, what, What exactly are you doing on there and why is it important to be on LinkedIn right now?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I got on LinkedIn in May of last year, May of 2018, to start creating original videos of myself in an attempt to attract leads for my Facebook agency that I was running up in Wisconsin at the time. And- Within two months, I had generated over six figures in revenue for my business, and I had accumulated, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of views. It was, like, insane, and it was definitely a wake-up call for me, having worked on social media and seeing that these platforms have a prime window of opportunity for growth. It kind of hit me that, like, oh, this is happening on LinkedIn right now, and I should really invest, so I ended up refocusing, you know, selling my shares and moving down to Miami to start a business solely around LinkedIn and it's the best platform because of the audience there. I mean, there's no social media platform with this many educated people on it with money. And on top of that, it's also the platform that's giving the most generous reach right now when it comes to video content. So you've got, you know, the cheapest views and the people who are viewing it are actually of the highest quality. So I always say like if you do B2B and uh, you're paying to run ads on like Facebook or Instagram, but you're not doing an organic content strategy on your LinkedIn for your B2B business, like you're just totally missing your target market. It's right there and the views will never be cheaper. So I just got on and I started growing. I, I never quit. I, you know, I'm like you. I just post every day, every day, just keep it going. And I established myself much like the pages I saw on other platforms established themselves simply because... They got in at the right time and took advantage.
0: Yeah. So LinkedIn is a platform everybody should be on if you want to grow your brand, your business, and just your presence. Shay is my LinkedIn coach, by the way. So she's been coaching me over the last few months, her and her ex-partner, Luke. And they've taught me so much, and they've helped me with my LinkedIn profile. So where can they learn about that? Where, Where can they learn more about you and what you're doing on LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, definitely follow me on LinkedIn. So it's www.linkedin.com slash in slash You can also check out my website, shayrobottom.com. There's more information on what I sell and how I help businesses create a video content strategy to attract their target market on LinkedIn uh, there's a form there to fill out to set up a call. So.
0: Yeah, definitely do it. If you're interested in LinkedIn at all, she's the, the LinkedIn goat, I call her. <laughs> and I can testify that I've gotten amazing results with what you're doing on LinkedIn. And it's a platform that's still not as saturated as all the other no, platforms no. out there. Yeah,
1: especially with video.
0: Especially with video. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are not doing what mm-hmm. you're teaching. So uh, definitely recommend Shay for that. What are you uh, most excited about right now?
1: I'm most excited to be on my own. So I have been an entrepreneur for four years, but I've always had a partner and, uh, you know, we recently parted ways. So I really look forward to just starting my own business and seeing where it takes me. I know at this point in time, I've just curated so much experience, like video marketing experience, startup experience, managing, scaling. It's kind of like I feel the prime moment for me to go off on my own and really expand my Shea Rowbottom brand, because it's not just marketing. I mean, that is what I teach, and that is my area of expertise and my background. However, I really want to inspire people to tap into their inner child and learn how to love themselves. When you learn how to love yourself and dismantle those negative core beliefs that most people have, everything else typically falls into place. Mm-hmm. Like, it becomes easy to maintain a good diet. You're yeah. just happier. You don't uh, feel the need of people, please. All, the, all these things. And that is definitely a personal mission of mine with my personal brand as I continue and go off on my own to help others with that.
0: I love it. Yeah. You could tell that once I started talking about LinkedIn, you lit up.
1: <laughs> your, your energy
0: shifted even higher because, <laughs> really? because oh you love God. this stuff. You're, you're, I do. This is, yeah. you, you live it, you breathe it, mm-hmm. and you're helping a lot of people. And like Thank you, you, you know. said, all roads lead to the inner size, right? I call it inner yes. size. All roads lead to what's going on, on the inside.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah. Because it is. It's never outside of us. It really is. Oh, you don't like that person? What's going on inside exactly. you? It, it You're takes, seeing something
0: in that person that's Yeah, going and you. it
1: takes a heavy dose of maturity and self-awareness to get there. I, I mean, and that is something that has also unfolded for me because in my childhood. I struggled a lot with victim mentality, like for a long time, struggled to take responsibility things, struggled. And to get from that place of like victimness out is the hardest part, like getting out. But then once you start to develop the accountability muscle, no, I am accountable. You know, I, I everything shows up in my life because of my manifestations and my creation. I mean, that's when you really step into your power. That's when you can do anything. So I really look forward to through my own journey, you know, of abuse and victimhood and everything, just taking all that and being like, here's how you can do it quicker than I did. <laughs>
0: yeah, I love it. Yeah, you're sharing your experience and helping others have yeah. a shortcut for their life. I have two more questions for yeah. you. I want to also let the listeners and the, the viewers know that I'm going to put all the, the links and the notes and everything that Shay spoke about down below or on the podcast, whatever you're, wherever you're listening to us. So go check out the links. We have timestamps. Everything we mentioned will be there. So go check that out. All right. Next question is, what is your definition of perfect health?
1: Happiness. Honestly, I mean, happiness. Maybe that's wrong because there's some fat, happy people out here, but I do. I think that a lot of Physical health problems actually can be from mental health and it can make it worse. So
0: what's your definition of happiness? Mm -hmm.
1: Mm Self-love, being able to love yourself, feeling content and feeling, I think, you know, self-love and acceptance is really the belief that you as you are, are enough. You know, you don't have to have a fancy podcast or a hundred thousand followers or like how, you know, we, we create these rules for ourselves. Like, oh, if I just get that job, I'll be, if I just get that car, that wife, it's none of that. You know, I mean, it's really, it starts with you and, um, that's health. Yeah.
0: I love it. That's the first time I heard that did somebody say their definition of perfect health is self-love. And I, Think it's a great answer.
1: Oh, thank you. I, uh,
0: Wayne, it reminds me of what Wayne Dyer said uh, when I read one of his books a long time ago. He said, "There is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way." Mm. Right. So you start with self-love. You, you know, you're not happy when you reach a certain milestone. Yes. You'll celebrate it, but that shouldn't be your happiness. Your happiness right. starts with the inside. So self-love. So it goes yes. back to that. So great answer.
1: Thank you. Final
0: question for Shay, okay. the goats of LinkedIn. Oh. What are you most grateful for today?
1: Hmm. I am most grateful today for returning to my faith in God. (laughs) It's a heavy answer. I recently realized, and I've been going through a lot of changes, but I do believe in God. And and I actually, I wasn't raised very religious, and I'm not religious. I don't belong to a church, but I do believe in the power of prayer. And uh, for me, recently in my life, so many signs and different people have shown up it's like almost like I believe in God again. Like I I realized I got away from it for a while, but now I'm seeing like God is everywhere and God provides you with everything you need at the right time. So I'm really grateful for really just everyone I've met since I moved to Miami, the support system that I've curated, the people showing up in my life today that are absolutely coming toward me for a reason. I'm super grateful for that
0: yeah awesome beautiful okay well shay i want to acknowledge you for being awesome You're just such an awesome human being Uh, i'm grateful to have met you when you first came here from milwaukee we had coffee at panther coffee so
1: much fun and we
0: hit it off we've been having some double dates we've been having dinner together you've been mentoring me on linkedin i've been mentoring you a little bit with your health Mm -hmm. and you're just um, yes you are definitely uh shining bright in this world thank you and i appreciate your friendship your mentorship and uh, this just who you are always showing up always being positive Positive, impacting so many lives. I mean, it's thank it's you. crazy, your reach, and, and it's just the beginning of Thanks. what you're accomplishing. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for spending time to come to the Keto Camp HQ. And any final words you want to leave for the listeners and viewers?
1: Ben is a badass. <laughs> I love Ben. I'm just so inspired by his own health story, but he's just a good person, you guys. I mean, it's and it's easy to be a good person when you put real food into your body so i'm just i really admire you what you've done you're just a super disciplined full of integrity guy and anyone who's questioning hiring ben for coaching or health do it he's he's the real deal
0: thank you shay so go check out shay you could find her information in the podcast notes and uh it's been a pleasure thanks shay thanks ben I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Shay. Be sure to check her out on LinkedIn. She is so freaking talented. I'm going to put all the associated links and information and timestamps and everything we spoke about in the notes of this podcast. Every podcast, we make sure to do so. We have a full-time person, Rachel, who puts it all together for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. I want to remind you that the Keto Camp Academy is out and about. This is a one-stop shop for all things Keto, fasting, performance, and longevity. If you'd like to learn how to follow a keto diet the way I teach it, along with fasting, I want you to be a Keto Camp Academy member. Head over to ketocampacademy.com. You'll get 100 plus videos, $600 worth of keto meal plans, all of my books. You'll get a monthly coaching call with me, a private Facebook group, and so much more. We have an amazing community who uplift each other and guide each other towards that direction of perfect health. The link is www.ketocampacademy.com. Last thing I wanna share before we sign off is the YouTube channel. Keto Camp YouTube channel has five brand new videos being released every single week. Head over to youtube.com ketocamp subscribe and get caught up with all of our video content. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode through. You'll hear me on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice.